Welcome once again to Mets at the Movies, the podcast that talks about movies from celluloid to digital and everything in between. My name is Eric Metz, and on today's show, we're going to be doing a bit of a horror theme. We're going to be talking about the 1979 Phantasm. Now, I want to thank everybody for the uh, delay that uh, we haven't had any podcasts for a while. Reason being is because, obviously, uh, for some of for a lot of pe- people that know me, I've been on the tr- I've been on a trip for the last two weeks. Uh, I was driving around the states for about two weeks. Um, did about ten thousand four hundred kilometers. Um, for the American listeners, you're gonna have to convert that into miles. I think that's around six. It's over six thousand miles. Fourteen states. Got to see a lot of uh, U.S. It was pretty cool. Got to see um, a lot of famous movie theaters. Got to see the uh, Cinerama, which is owned by Quentin Tarantino. Got to visit the um, Alamo Draft House in San Francisco. Got to go by the. I think it's TCL. Uh, Chinese the- theater now it used to be the Ming's Ch- Chinese the- theater got to see a bunch of that stuff so it was really cool but we're back it's October and we're talking about one of my favorite genres out there I mean horror horror and Halloween are some of my favorite genres out there I'm one of those individuals that I don't get scared by movies uh, I'm which really sucks I wish I did but I don't get scared by movies anymore the last movie to really terrify me and cause like nightmares and everything was the child's play that Chucky doll freaked me as a kid and as a kid you know when you're lying lying in bed you don't want to put your feet over the edges because that's when the killers are going to grab your feet or your arms so you have to keep your entire body in your bed on your bed 100% or else you're going to die so as I said, today we're going to be talking about the 1979 Phantasm. Now, I watched this movie the other day for the first time. This is my first time watching this movie. I've heard a ton of things about it. People have said it is one of the better, one of the best horror movies out there. Um, I came to realize that it's super indie. Uh, it was it was made for $300,000, uh, but it grossed $12 million, and that's probably just theatrical release, not including any of the digital releases, Blu-ray releases, DVD releases, VHS releases, um, and anything to do with any of the remastered stuff. It probably hasn't taken into effect any of the remaster, which I believe the remaster came out last year, uh, which is one of the reasons why I really wanted to see it, because I heard that, because I saw that it got a, a remaster, and I thought, oh, okay, if this movie was good enough, to get a, a remaster, then um, I'll take a look at it and every everything thing I heard. As I said, it was made on budget of three hundred thousand dollars, made twelve million dollars, so that's definitely considered a, a success. Um, it's the remastered version. I couldn't find the original version, but the remastered version have, has about a seventy percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, six point five for average reviews, which I kind of agree with the six point five. Um, I don't think it's one of the best horror films out there. I think it's really interesting. It's really neat. Um, you can see the indie feel to it. Um, some of the things that uh, Don C- Don Cusarelli was trying trying to do, and the guy who who made this Don, he was the writer, producer, director, cinematographer, and ed- editor. Like this guy did this. Like this guy made everything for it. Um, he obviously had some help from a lot of pe- people. It was done by MGM. And um, he obviously had a lot of help from a lot of pe- people, but he was he was really the guy who who championed this thing, who um, started it all, and ended up creating quite a few sequels. I think there's I think there's been five of the I think the latest one, which was Ravenger, um, I think it's the fifth one. Um, so I'm interested to see kind of where they go from here because historically horror fr- franchises 
don't do well as they continue on. Um, I'm currently trying to watch all of the Friday the 13th movies and they get rough. Um, I'll do, I'll do a, I'll, I'll, I'll try and do a, an entire Friday the 13th all in one because I don't want to do individuals because they get really bad. Um, at least the Halloween genre thought of, hey, let's go the third one and let's do something completely different, which is kind of fun to watch now um, in, in the later years. But um, as I said, first time seeing this, the, the big draw for this was a gentleman by the name of Agnes Scrim. He was, he's considered the tall, tall man. Now, in horror circles, the tall man is um, uh, an everlasting character. He's an, an iconic character when it comes to the horror fr- franchise. Um, the Slender Man has been the, uh, the, the Slender Man from all the horror stuff that has come out re- recently is very influenced by the Tall Man. And I wasn't a huge fan of the acting in this movie. There was a lot of bad acting, mainly from the older brother. He was terrible in this movie. Everybody else, serviceable. Everybody else was serviceable. But he was terrible in this movie. Like, really, really bad in this movie. Just awful. Um, But Agnes Grimm plays a fantastic villain. um, Very menacing. Uh, His walk... He's got he's he's got he's got this particular walk that is is very it's a very gentlemanly walk, but in the context of a horror film and who he is, very ter- terrifying. And his facial, his the way he was able to use his face, um, really good. The tall man is a fantastic char- character, fantastic villain up there with some of some of the best. Now the story of Phantasm Star starts with. Um, a bunch of pe- people are going to a funeral because one of their friends, as they think, committed suicide. But at the beginning of the film, we find out that he was actually killed by um, a woman who is actually the tall man. So it's kind of like a sh- shape-shifting thing going on. Now, during the fu- funeral, the younger brother of the of the the younger brother of the guy who I was talking about, the older brother. Um, sneaks in and sees something that he probably shouldn't have. He ends up seeing the tall man pick up an entire casket all on his own and put it in the back of a vehicle. And that's, and that's really the crux of where um, things start. That's where the kid starts realizing, wait a minute, something's wrong. And he starts investigating more and more and more and more and more about what's going on. And that's kind of where things begin. The funeral is, is just an opening scene to kind of introduce you to the characters. But that scene where he's picking up the casket and putting in the view in the back of the vehicle, all on his own, by the way, that's really where things start to go from there. And as we go along, this younger gentleman, this kid, ends up investigating um, this cemetery and this guy and like what's going on on with this guy. And we find out later on, we find out pretty quickly actually that um, he's not human. Um, there's something, he's not human, there's something wrong, wrong with him, and he's got little minions that run around and help him out. What we end up fi- finding out is that um, he takes the dead bo- bodies and he crushes them down to about three feet and brings them back to life and uses them as slaves. And it really gets into an 
interesting kind of point in the film when we find out that he's got this room that he transport things to another dimension. So we end up finding out that he is an he's a alien from another dimension who takes dead bodies, squashes them down, turns them into servants, sends them back to his realm. That's essentially that's what the plot is, and this kid has to find out kind of what's going on, why why he's doing this, and how to stop him before he takes more of his friends and family and everything thing like that. It's a really good film. It's 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 super indie. I enjoyed it. There was a lot that I I also had problems with it, but I'll start with some of the really good things I I liked. It had a fantastic soundtrack. The soundtrack was great. It was a lot of synth music. You'd get it felt like a John Carpenter film with the amount of electronic music and synth music that was put in. It was really good and it was really well used. Um, it had a great indie feel. It had a really good indie feel, something that, uh, you know what, you could see the passion that was put into this. A lot of times you can't see that in these films. You think like, oh, it was made for a joke. But in this, you can clearly see that Don has has passion in this and he wanted to it. Not all the acting was bad. The kid, I thought, was a little o- o- over the top. The um, other friend who... What, who ran the ice cream ice cream um, truck that drove 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 around town? He was okay. He wasn't too bad, um, but the older brother was just terrible. He was he was simply awful. Couple things that I didn't like about the movie is um, they introduced a lot without giving any sort of context whatsoever. It felt like a lot of the film was. Um, well, we need to get from point A to point B, so let's just do it as quickly as we can so that way we can continue telling the story. Like, at one point, um, he tells his younger brother to go stay with um, friends at an antique store. And you're like, and and the scene, he walks in the antique store, walks around, finds a picture of the tall man from 1800s, and then demands he has to go back. It's a it's a quick quick scene, and you're wondering like where, like where are these friends? Like what? Like where do these friends come from? Like where were they for any of this? And what was the point of an antique store? Like the antique store felt like it was just a play, placeholder for this for this picture to show you that this tall man has been around for a while. Also. One of the weirder things about the scene about this movie was the introduction of the maid, and the reason why it's weird is because this maid has a, has a, has a credit line has a buy has a credit line in the credits like maid actress name. The weird part about it was the maid just kind of shows up for literally maybe fourteen seconds, and then you never see her again. You've never heard of her since. Now the reason why. It's only the two brothers is because the parents died a few years ago and we find out that the one brother the older brother is about 24, younger brother is thir- 13 and younger brother likes to follow the older brother around. And the weird thing about the maid is the scene that happens is it's at night. It's dark, it's late at at, at night and this maid is in their house. So you would think, okay, she's probably a live-in maid. But you've never heard of her or seen her leading up to that one scene. Never. I don't, I don't recall ever hearing anything about a maid. In fact, the older brother says 
I'm still here because I'm taking care of my younger brother. So then what's the point of the maid? And it was like a 15-second scene. I don't get it. I don't, under, I don't understand what the point of that maid was or where she went or where she was hiding or anything like that. It's very confusing. I don't get it. Um, I may need to see it again and look a little bit more deeper and hear if they talk about the maid a little bit more. But, as, but from first viewing, I don't get the maid at all. I don't know where she came from. I don't know what her point, point, point is. Um, also, with the guy being 24, the older brother being 24, and his friend, his friend has like a ponytail, but a kind of shoehorn baldness on top. It's kind of like if George Costanza had a ponytail as well. And this guy looks like he's in his late 30s, early 40s. And he's driving an ice cream truck. And throughout 90% of the film, he's in his ice cream truck suit. And I'm wondering, like, where, like, when did, when did he, like, how are, like, where, where's the friendship? Like, like, where did the friendship start? Because this guy does, this guy does not look like he's in his mid-20s. Not at all. The young, the, 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 the older brother, sure, I can see it. But this guy, look, this guy does not look, this guy actually creepy, actually, he was one of the scariest parts about the whole film, and it's because, because, because of the ending. Now, I'm going to talk a bit about the ending here, um, just as a little spoiler. So if you don't want to hear the ending, don't listen to the podcast now for a few minutes. And the ending is weird because when they finally stop the tall man, it cuts to a scene of the younger brother and the ice cream truck friend in front of a fireplace. And the brother and, and the younger brother is telling the story of what happened. And it turns into a kind of a very romantic scene there was a lot of that scene i thought i thought they were gonna kiss it was very weird and then we find out that the brother's dead in a car accident and you're like wait a minute wait a minute wait 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 wait, wait. why why are you changing this to all of a sudden everything be like a dream like what like why are you like 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 why the change like what's with why the twist the twist makes no sense, and it doesn't really point. And it's also, again, late at night, and they decide, hey, let's go on a road trip and see where we go. Why don't you go pack? And this is, again, really late at night after a scene, after a very romantic scene by a kid who's 13 and a guy who, in my opinion, looks like he's in his late 30s. I... I would like I would like somebody to explain to me the ending uh, um, a little bit more, simply because I don't under, I don't understand the context. It doesn't make sense in the context of the, of the film. The film would have been okay if it just ended after they stopped the tall man and they killed him and um, they destroyed the house. It would have made made sense if it just ended there. But then to tack on this twist ending, I don't I don't fully I don't know what they're going for. I don't understand what they're going for, and. Um, it really made it really made me question the rest of the rest of the film. Unfortunately, because the rest of the film is actually pretty good. It's a solid film. Again, there are some the older brother horrible acting. Also, the way that they decide to destroy the tall man is to lead him to a mine shaft that's a thousand feet deep. Fall, have him fall in there and co- cover it up. Now, the reason why this part makes me seem weird, and again goes to the point where it doesn't explain anything at all. 
the older brother drops the kid off at home and says, you get some ammo. I'm going to, I'm going to drive and go prep the, um, prep, prep the area and hide it. So that way we can trap him in. Then the tall man breaks into the house fighting to go to fight the kid and the kid runs away and literally like two minutes it takes for the kid to run and he's already at the quarry. So it kind of, you could kind of get the sense of like the quarry is like right behind their house or just around the corner. So why did the other, so why did the older brother have to drive um, to do it? Because this quarry again feels like it's like two, it's like two minutes away, away from the house. Then when the guy, then when the tall man gets trapped in, the older brother pushes a bunch of rocks that cover the hole. And a couple of those rocks are about the size of a human being, making me wonder how he pushed it over. I would have liked to see that, that, that scene. And then that's when it cuts to the ending, see the ending romance sequence. It's a very weird ending. I don't understand it. There's a lot that I, I, I don't get. Again, I understand that the budget was $300,000. I completely get it. And for $300,000, I don't think I could have made a, be- a better movie. There was a lot going for this movie. I really think it's a movie that people should see. Do I think it's one of the best horror films of all time? No, I don't. I'm going to talk a little bit about horror freight franchises right now because obviously we're in the midst of Halloween. I'm trying to wa- I'm trying to watch the Friday the thir- 13th um movies. Last year I wanted to watch them all, but I only got through the first 3. This year I'm making making a commitment. I've got about 3 left. I've got Friday the 13th number 9, which is Jason goes to hell. Then I've got Jason X, which I've already seen, but I want I want to see with the rest. And then I'm going to I'm going to end with the remake from 2009. And I have to say that this franchise is awful. <laughs> um I think the best I think out of the I think when you're talking about horror franchises, you're talking about the three big ones. You're talking about Friday the 13th, Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think those are the three big franchises. I think there are other ones that are close. I think Saw could be close. Um, It's in the second tier for sure. There's a lot of movies that I think, but I think when you're talking about the three biggest ones, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think, is in the next level down. Um, The Chucky movies... Next level down, down, down as well. I think when you're talking about the top tier horror franchises, you're talking about those three. And after watching all of the Halloweens, after watching all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, and watching almost all of the Friday the 13th, I have to admit that Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, is the best out of the three. I think it is the most fun. I think it is the most interesting. Um, I think they go in weirder play places. Um, I think New Nightmare is very cool and very interesting, very meta. I actually find that really fun. Um, but the best horror, my favorite horror film of all time is John Car- John Car- Carpenter's The Thing. It's the first one in his, what he calls his Apocalypse Trilogy. It goes The Thing, then I believe it goes Prince of Darkness, and then it goes In the Mouth of Madness, which I've had a conversation with a friend of mine recently about In the Mouth of Madness. Great, 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 great film. Everybody should see it. Prince of Darkness is okay. I think In the Mouth of Madness is a great film that not a lot of people know of. But I, but my personal favorite horror film is The Thing. It is, I like it so much. It is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. 
the worst horror film I've ever seen is Wishmaster 4. There was a year where I thought about doing all four Wishmasters. Wishmaster 1, pretty cool. Wishmaster 2, not so good. Wishmaster 3 returns to kind of form, and it's like, oh, this is actually good again. Wishmaster 4 is one of the worst movies I have ever seen beyond horror film. I think Wishmaster 4 is one of the worst movies I personally have ever seen. I was so close to turning it off multiple times, and I don't turn off films, but I think that movie is awful. I'd like to hear if anybody else has seen it and if there's any defenders of it. Now, one of the reasons why I like the thing is because it is real effects. I am a big fan of real effects. This CG stuff in horror films, I hate. I hate CG in horror films. I understand its use in action adventures, sci-fis, big budget movies as such. I understand it. CG should have no place in horror films whatsoever. I think if you're doing a horror film, it needs to be real. Straight up, it needs to be real. When you watch the defibrillator scene in The Thing, it is incredible. It is one of the best-looking scenes ever. Then if you look at other ones, you look at Hellraiser. Hellraiser is part of the reason why Hellraiser is terrifying is because of how real it looks. And that's some of the best stuff. I think if you're going to do a horror film, you got to do real makeup, real effects. It's it's just my opinion. I love to see that I love to see real effects in in that kind of stuff. It's what I love. Now I look forward to hearing what other people say. A little bit of a shorter episode because I'm trying to I was trying to get get one out for people to uh, just kind of get in the in the thick of things. I'm going to try and do a little bit more um, by more weekly. I'm going to try and get some up on every Sunday night, Monday morning. Uh, I'll try and throw in a bonus episode as well. I know I said I was going to try and do a bonus episode before I go, but what I want to do is I want to do my top 10 films of the year so far, because obviously there's a lot of films coming out. We've got the Oscar seasons coming up. So I want to do my top, top 10 movies so far. And then I also would be I want to do a few, a few other ones. I want to do maybe my top, my top five favorite uh, movie theme songs, things like that. Um, so I'm going to try and do a few more just to kind of get caught up on things, so everybody doesn't feel like, oh god, you know, he's he's starting and then he fell off. So I'm going to try and get a few more out there. Again, today's episode was about Phantasm, and uh, that would be it for today. So I will see you at the next screening. <laughs>